am Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of June 2022, and it's once again that very special time of the month wherein we do our very special Catching Up on Blu-ray episode. Uh, and in joining me in this endeavor, I have my good buddy Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast. How's it going, Brad? It's going great. Thanks for having me on, Trevor. It's been a couple months, so it's good to be back for a Blu-ray episode. Yeah, no kidding, man. Like, I, I think I had to do at least one or two of these solo, and uh, yeah. yeah, that's no fun. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, I, I abstained from buying anything for the last two months because I wasn't on the Blu-ray episode, so I said, I'm not buying anything. Yeah, treated my wallet nicely. I'm not one to outright call anybody a liar, Brad, but <laughs> that that reeks of pure bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can see right through that. Yeah, not true at all. Not true at all. Still been buying. Yeah. So, uh, folks at home, if you're not aware of what a Catching Up on Blu-ray episode entails, um, essentially what Brad and I are going to be doing today is uh, navigating to the lovely website of Blu-ray.com and uh, taking a look at the physical media release calendar. Uh, so that would be Blu-rays and 4K discs. Um, and just saying a little something about any of the June 2022 releases that catch our eye for whatever the fuck reason. Uh, so this is a little bit of like a, a shopping list type episode, uh, but feel free to follow along. Uh, just navigate to the uh, Blu-ray.com website and you can follow along with the home edition of Catching Up on Blu-ray by taking a look at the June 2022 calendar. Uh, and also, if you're not familiar with how this works, generally movies are released on home video formats on Tuesdays of each calendar week. So we'll be sure to call out the dates as we go. But like I said, if you'd care to follow along, uh, fucking figure it out. Uh, that being said, our first uh, proper release date uh, in June appears to fall on the 7th, although we do have some scatterings before that. Um and as is customary with how Blu-ray.com arranges their calendar, we have our 4K titles uh, put front and center. And uh, the first major title is one that Brad has done a full-length uh, review of for the Cinema Speak podcast. Uh, that would be The Northman from 2022 out on 4K. Uh, this is, of course, uh, Robert Eggers' most recent film. Now, Brad, uh, I, I listened to the episode, but you should probably share with the folks at home what your, what your thoughts on this one were. Yeah, I, I liked it. Didn't necessarily love it on a first watch, but it's something that I would definitely like to revisit. And uh, visually, it's pretty great. So I think uh, picking this up on 4K is a must own. Um, yeah, I'll definitely get in this one. I haven't gotten it yet, but um, yeah, I'll be curious to revisit this. And I could see the film improving on a rewatch for sure. Yeah, actually, I thought about blind purchasing this one uh, just because I am a sucker for I don't know, visually intense films like this. Like, just looking at looking at the cinematography and the color palette and the fact that it has, you know, action sequences that look very appealing to me in particular. Um, I feel like I could get quite a bit out of this, even if, even if the movie as a whole doesn't exactly work for me. Um, I'm speaking from the perspective of someone who hasn't seen it. Um, but Robert Eggers has a fantastic reputation, and just from a visual standpoint, I was very impressed with what the trailers had to offer. Um, and also, uh, it features uh, my brother's uh, my brother's a big champion of uh, Clay's Bang. Um, I've mm. only seen him in like one movie, but my brother just he he keeps trumpeting that horn of saying like Clay's Bang, man. He's he's going to be the next big thing. He's going to be the guy. Yeah, this is probably his biggest role. I would say he's. I mean, he's the villain in this. 
Yeah, no, he's featured prominently in the trailer to some extent, and uh, he, I think he's very talented from what very little I've seen, but I don't know why, but my brother has most certainly hitched his, his wagon to that star in the form of Clay's Bang. <laughs> Maybe it's just the name, he just likes saying it. <laughs> it's a good name, and I knew when he popped up in the movie, I couldn't remember that it was your brother, but I knew from you about Clay's Bang, and I was like, oh, I'll have to talk to Trevor about Clay's Bang being in this movie, so there you go. I mean, my brother does have really good instincts about these sorts of things. Like, he's not a gambler, but maybe he ought to be. Like, I'm. it's going to be really funny if, like, two years from now, Clay's Bang ends up being, like, the next big MCU villain or something. Right. <laughs> it's like, he's Dr. Yeah, Doom or some shit. <laughs> like, whenever they finally get around to doing a proper Fantastic Four movie or something. That, that would not surprise me, actually. Like, fingers crossed. Like, I'll, I'll be super happy for my brother if that works out. But... Um, yeah, uh, have you taken a look at the specs of this disc, Brad? Uh, I have not, actually. It looks like it's got a 5 out of 5 uh, picture quality for the 4K on Blu-ray.com. So, there you go. Okay, well, if I can find it for the right price, uh, I think I think this might actually end up being a blind purchase for me. I, I think there's enough on offer that I, f- I, I feel like this is a safe purchase. And uh, 5 out of 5, you know, they don't hand those out like candy. Um, this, yeah, the Steelbook is definitely a debut, but I think the only other release of this one was it came in a, uh, is it, is it Paramount or I don't know what studio it is, but there was a like box set of like, or MGM, I think it might've been MGM maybe, maybe not, I don't know, but whatever studio, it was a box set of like 10 different, uh, classic films from that studio and you could get it in that box set. Um, but I think that this is the first time it's been a standalone release, I think. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm going to assume you're correct on that, Brad. You're much more on the ball about this sort of thing than I am. And I have to assume, um, just based on the cover art and the styling of it, um, the bridge on the River Kwai, uh, also in 4K and steelbook form, it's probably a similar case. Although I, I seem to recall seeing a... Yeah, I can absolutely say... That one is different because I actually own the uh, original standalone release of Bridge on the River Kwai uh, non-Steelbook edition. So that this one is just uh, debuting in Steelbook format. I have the other regular version already. Uh, anyway, um, but beside those uh, 4K titles, um, we have, uh, speaking of a fellow that Brad and I just spoke about um, at length uh, only like last week uh, on Tales from the Shelf, uh, Gore Verbinski's uh, The Weatherman from 2005. Uh, this is being put out by Paramount Pictures, and I believe this is debuting on Blu-ray. Um, I'm curious as to the timing of this release, like why this movie, why now? Um, but, you know, it's A, it's a Gore Verbinski film. It's got Nick Cage. He's always relevant, being as Nick Cage is always working. So it's probably a good move for Paramount. Um wouldn't exactly be in a hurry to run out and pick that one up but um if i ever decide to do like a a catching up on gore verbinski or something this would actually be a a candidate for for like that sort of event month or something um but brad i'm gonna kick it over to you what uh what jumps out at you next i guess i can mention quick uh also we have another gore verbinski film i haven't seen this one the mexican with uh brad pitt and julia roberts 
I uh, always forget that he directed this one. And I, I didn't know until I uh, looked into this when the uh, movie came out. I was like, man, this movie probably wouldn't fly today. You got Brad Pitt starring in a movie called The Mexican. I didn't realize that it, The Mexican is the name of a gun. So I think it would still pass today. So, you know, I don't think you need to rush to pick this up because it's going to go out get buried. Um, <laughs> but I've only heard middling things about this one, so it's not something I'm super excited to see. But, uh, again, it's a Gore Verbinski movie I haven't seen, so I would like to check it out. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen it either. Uh, it's funny, though, that, that trivia factoid you just tossed out there about the gun, that's like literally the only thing I know about the movie. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, uh, I don't know what what's in the air, but uh, apparently putting out Gore Verbinski products is, is the hot ticket right now. So um, Brad did mention on that most recent Tales from the Shelf uh, that Verbinski apparently does have something pending with, uh, was it Paramount? Um Yes. Paramount Plus. So, ooh, okay. So you were ahead of them, basically. Brad sussed it out. He was like, ah, they're they're pimping that gore right now, <laughs> like because they're like in the middle of probably financing his next project or something. So they they want to put his name out there for like his next project. But um, we do have our first uh, Criterion product for the month of June 2022. That would be the Tales of Hoffman uh, from 1951. Uh, this is Direct Doors, uh, directed by both Michael Powell and Emmerich Pressburger. Um, is this one that's known to you, Brad? No, I don't. I really don't know much about this one. Um, it's not. It's this isn't the guys who did uh, the Red Shoes, is it? No. Uh, let's take a look because um, we do have. Oh, it looks like it may actually be Brad. Um, they're associated with it. At least one of them is. Oh, okay. Well. Then I guess I do know something about it because I remember um, when this or whatever movie it was, they the guys who did the red shoes or whoever it was, the guy, um, he had another movie coming out through the Criterion Collection. Um, I just didn't, I'd never heard of it before, so it didn't really stick in my brain. Okay. Well, um, as we tend to say on uh, catching up on Blu-ray, if it's part of the Criterion Collection, it is probably worth your time, even if you don't know a damn thing about it. Um, But moving right along, we also have a film noir uh, number seven. Wow. We're up to seven box sets of noir film classics from Kino. It looks like a handsome package that... uh, I, I'm curious, actually, how, how many of these titles they're going to end up putting out uh, by the end of this project here. Um, and then we have a Chris Pine film that I I like kept forgetting even exists. Like, like this movie just kind of slipped in under the radar, which is kind of surprising. Uh, uh, the Contractor on 4K also being put out by Paramount. Brad, do you know anything about this movie? No, seems like some VOD trash to me. I don't even know if it was VOD, but that's the vibe I'm getting. Yeah, it. I don't know what it is, but like it, it almost has the vibe of a one of those uh, Amazon Prime military action thrillers. That that I, I guess that's what they're doing with all of our data, Brad. <laughs> is is realizing that wow, if we if we make trash military action films and put them out on our our proprietary streaming service. People will watch them. <laughs> they won't pay for them. They won't go to the theater for them anymore. But if they're free and they're there, people will watch them. Yeah, just get a sufficiently hot dude uh, to be the headliner and then put a gun in his hand on the poster 
Um, and there you go. We're off to the races. <laughs> yeah. No gun on this uh, cover, though, but uh, an American flag flying majestically in the background. So, Well, I mean, my nickname for Chris Pine has always been Them Eyes or Dem Eyes. Just because that it seems to like that that's all that's all you need to to sell a Chris Pine movie, honestly. Um, so they know what they're doing. Although the the desaturation on the color there, very poor choice on the part of the advertisers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but popping on down, um, shit. Uh, I'm gonna kick it over to you, Brad. <laughs> what what jumps out at you next? Because we have a, a bunch of schlock and a, a healthy dose of crap in the next couple of rows. Yeah, I mean we've got two Kino releases, um, Savage Sisters and Stunt Rock. I don't know anything about either of those. I feel like may- maybe would you know something about Stunt Rock or uh, are we bopping on past these? Uh oh, wow, that's uh that's funny actually. Um. I, I did not know this until I opened the page, but um, surprise, surprise, uh, the director of Stunt Rock happens to be Brian Trenchard Smith. Now, that is not a household name. However, the only reason I know it is that they happen to be the fellow who directed Night of the Demons 2, oh. which, which Kyle and I reviewed most recently for the show. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's bizarre. So you got to pick this up then. I mean... You're on that. What's his name? You're on. You're in the trenches. You're in the trencher trenches with Trenchard Smith. So <laughs> you got to pick it up. I mean, it's only fourteen ninety nine right now. Ooh, wow! I better hop on that. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. We we do not have a whole lot of interesting stuff. I will point out that we have Charles Bronson in the mechanic from Scorpion releasing. You get a nice uh, clear box on that one, from what I can tell. At least that's how it's advertised. Uh, that's very much a dad movie. Um, I haven't seen that one, but I know it by reputation. Uh, that's also one of those uh, Jason Statham remake uh, movies, as far as I recall. That's right, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have a 4K box set of the Bourne series. It says complete collection, so I would imagine that includes the Bourne legacy. Um, not a big fan of that one. Uh, I... I'm mostly okay with all the other ones, but that one rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, never seen that one, actually. It's the one I haven't seen. Yeah, it, it really just didn't work for me. Um, really lame finale, honestly. Jeremy Renner's okay in it, but um, I don't know. It was, it was a weird uh, experiment with the franchise. Um, yeah. Apparently, there's been a television series. That, like I don't know if it's wrapped already, but it, I think it was called Treadstone. Um I don't know how successful that ended up being, but I, I have never watched it. But I do, I do like the core Jason Bourne movies for the most part. Yeah, they're all right. Um, I think this is just the first time that they've all been packaged together on 4K with Jason Bourne. I think so. We're all five of them together. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I already have all the ones I want, meaning yeah. all of them, but Bourne Legacy. So I'm, I'm good. Um, what else we got? Uh, we got Kinky Boots from 2005. Just toss that out there. Um, we have Phantom of the Opera from 1998. Now, is this is Dario Argento. Wow. And uh, oh. Julian Sands and Asia Argento are listed in the cast. Uh, I was curious if this was the, uh, I think it's the, was it Robert Englund who was in one of these Phantom of the Opera movies at one point? Yes, he did do one, yes. 
Yeah, I was curious if it was that one, because uh, speaking of VHS cover art that used to jump out at me, that was one of them, because it has a somewhat gruesome cover to it. But no, this is apparently a, a Dario Argento Phantom of the Opera. Mm. I didn't know this was uh, coming out. It's a good thing we do these episodes, because I didn't know. I would have glanced right over this. I didn't know it was Dario Argento's Phantom of the Opera. I might have to pick this up. Yeah, I, I very nearly glossed right over it, but I, I know Argento is a name that makes your ears perk up. So Yeah, I'll watch any shit he does. <laughs> I will watch all the crap he does, even if it's shit. Um, oh, it uh, looks like the uh, In Search of Tomorrow uh, Blu-ray uh, is finally being distributed. Uh, this was a crowdfunded um, 80s sci-fi documentary very much in the same vein as the uh, In Search of Darkness uh, series. I don't know if it was made by the same people, uh, but it's very much coasting on the same reputation, I guess, um, but applied to sci-fi rather than horror. Um, this was one that I considered paying into, but actually did not. Um, so I don't know if you can purchase this direct from the creators, but um, it was a crowdfunding com- campaign, a successful one, apparently. Um, and, uh, if it lives up to the reputation, uh, the standards of quality, uh, to the In Search of Darkness series, I would expect this to be quite good. Um, so that's one that I, I may end up regretting not getting, um, but the, the rent was too damn high. I'll just put it that way. Um, beside that, we have a certified fresh, uh, film, The Feast from 2021. Now, Brad, uh, just based on the cover art alone, I'm going to assume you're familiar with this one. Am I uh, am I off base in making that assumption? Boy, I feel like I know it maybe by the cover art, but that's about all. Yeah, I don't really know much about this one. Okay, uh, I'll just go ahead and read the plot description just because it is, I don't know, a compelling image and, and title. Uh, filmed in Welsh, the fil- the picture follows a young woman serving privileged guests at a dinner party in a remote house in rural Wales. The assembled guests do not realize they are about to eat their last supper. Um, some of the screenshots look like it has a it has a moody aesthetic. It looks like it's well lit, potentially well shot. Can't really tell a whole lot from still images, but um, the certified fresh stamp on the cover and the fact that some part of my memory uh, points to this being a worthwhile film suggests it, it probably is but I can't recall at the moment exactly why that is um, beside that we have another Scorpion releasing uh, disc of Clifford uh, from 1994 uh, starring Martin Short and Charles Grodin uh, as well as Mary Steenburgen she's great um, this is a movie that, for whatever reason, gets tossed around in conversation a lot around me, but I don't know anything about this. I think Kyle talks about it, and and some of the podcasts that both he and I listen to, it, it just gets tossed around. I'm like, I don't, I don't get the reference, and I feel left out. Yeah, might be finally time to dip into the Clifford pool. I mean, I mean, maybe. Um, I Charles Grodin very recently passed away. Is isn't that right? Um, yes, I think so. Yeah, um, and I, right. I, I seem to recall this movie gang trotted out there as like one of those nostalgia pieces where it's like, oh, I'm, I miss Charles Grodin in particular this movie or something along those lines. Um, but yeah, Clifford's a movie I'm, I'd be curious to check out. Um, I really, I just like Martin Short in general. He just seems like a, a, a neat guy, like a, a neat human being and very funny. Yeah, I've never really seen many of his... Um like uh, actual feature films that he was in, like Clifford, or uh, I also noticed 
We've got a double feature coming out this uh, week, Pure Luck and uh, Cross My Heart. Um, I have seen Pure Luck, actually, uh, when I was a kid. But, yeah, I'm not, I, there's a lot of Martin Short that I haven't seen, but I would be curious to go back and just watch some of his old-school comedies. Why not? Yeah, I mean, he fairly, very rarely takes center stage in a lot of these things, but, like, he's, he's just always good to have around. Like, he always makes a contribution. I mean, for fuck's sake, he, jungle to jungle. He, he even made a, a very small role in that film pretty pretty endearing and fun. Um, but, yeah, Clifford, that that's a, I don't know, that that's a blind spot in my uh, 90s nostalgia films that I, I probably should go back and fill in. Um, we have another certified fresh film in the form of a compartment number six from Sony Pictures. This is also a 2021 release. Um, I don't know a damn thing about this, but I'll just toss it out there that it has that stamp and that's how they're selling it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anything about this one either. One that I don't have a whole lot to say about, but one that I, I would like to put a little bit of spotlight on is a Forbidden Zone, uh, apparently director's cut. Uh, this is being put out by 198. No, that's the year it came out. Who put out this title, Brad? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> Way to go. I don't uh, know. <laughs> uh, well, it exists. That's cool. Um, I mostly know this as the movie that uh, I think Danny Elfman and I think it was his whole family basically uh, got together and made this movie, maybe even as like a favor to a friend of theirs or something. Um, but this was like very early Danny Elfman um, being crazy because <laughs> because he is a nutball. Um, most people just know him as a musician, but this this film represents some of the other talents and other artistic flair that he has to present. Uh, I haven't seen it myself, but I've always known it by reputation. And also, this was another one of those movies that had a very eye-catching cover. Um, this one they used for the Blu-ray. Um, not being as good, if you ask me, um, as the original mm-hmm. cover art. Um, um, I might have an answer to uh, who is putting this out. I might. Um, okay. Apparently, this was originally put out in 2015, and um, according to, let me cite the source here, uh, NL Scavenger on Blu-ray.com, they said in the forums that it is uh, self-published by Alpha Media Corp., which is registered to Richard Elfman. Oh, so, okay. There you there go. You go. <laughs> it, it kept it in the family. Yep. <laughs> That's cool. Thanks for looking into that. Some on-the-fly research. That's why that's why we have you on the show, Brad. <laughs> you're quick on that keyboard. You don't have one of those mechanical keyboards like me where you just hear every time I need to touch the thing. We have a Noah Baumbach film highball from 1997 um and besides that eraser re eraser colon reborn from 2022 um now i have to assume that this is a follow-up to the arnold schwarzenegger headlined eraser from the late 90s Mm -hmm. um i never would have seen that coming (laughs) but okay i guess we have an eraser too well, we, we know there's a lot of eraser heads out there that are really losing it over this. So, I mean, good for them. Yeah, uh, I this is one of those movies I would never have expected to get a direct-to-video sequel, let alone in 2022. But th- here it is. Uh, the one thing I, I know about this movie, if and I could be speaking directly out my ass because I did read this article a long time ago, um, apparently shot in South Africa. 
Um, so hmm. cool. South African eraser. Sounds cool. Um, beside that, we have gore in Venice. Not gore Verbinski in Venice, but just, just bloodletting in Venice in 1979. Uh, this is very obviously an Italian film. Uh, based on the screenshots, um, not a very high production Italian film, but uh, interesting cover. I wouldn't call it an outright good cover, but it is. You would you would stop and take a look, just to, mostly because of the way it's composed. You're like, what the fuck am I looking at? Oh, well, that, that was almost interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, the uh, official title, I I guess the Italian title is Giallo in Venice. They Yellow in Venice. It. Giallo in Venice, yeah, but they must have changed it to Gore in Venice for the English title. So really, the title should be Yellow in Venice. That should be the yeah. title, Yellow in Venice. I mean, I I want to say the the choice to change that to Gore in Venice was probably well advised, probably uh, yeah. <laughs> just for sales and whatnot. Uh, but beside that, we have our uh, our requisite. Uh, Bruce Willis title for the month. Uh, I expect to see him at least two more times this month. Uh, that would be Fortress, colon, Sniper's Eye. Now, I'm curious if this is uh, any bears any relation to the Christopher Lambert headlined uh, Fortress from the mid-90s. I seriously doubt it. Um, I'm guessing this is like a totally different Fortress franchise that, you know, apparently there are multiple Fortress films, like film franchises out there. Yeah, um, all the fortress heads, <laughs> all these heads coming out of the woodwork this month. I'm gonna kick it over to you again, Brad. Uh, what what else jumps out at you? I mean, I'll, I'll mention quick. You got a re-release. Well, I guess it's a re-release for both, but re-release of Pretty in Pink, which just came out not too long ago for the first time. And uh, I'll jump up a little bit. Some kind of wonderful, which I just watched for the first time. Another uh, John Hughes written movie is getting a new release. Um, and, uh, yeah, so all, all the Hughes heads are having, it's a great week for everybody this week. Um, but, uh, some kind of wonderful, it was, uh, you know, interesting, a forgotten Hughes movie. Um, although he didn't direct either of these, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was an interesting watch. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I totally skimmed over that one. I apologize. Uh, just cause the cover art didn't, didn't jump out at me at all. Like I'm not a fan of that composition. Like it, it the color palette looks too contemporary such that I never would have guessed that 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 was 1987 film. Same goes for the font. Like you're, you're failing to capitalize on the eighties nostalgia. Like it, it, it threw me off, but um, yes, uh, Brad actually did a, uh, a full review of this movie on a, like a very special episode of the cinema speak podcast very recently. Uh, That was a fun listen. That was, that was, that was neat that you did that. Yeah, well, thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, I do think the cover is off. It also, uh, Eric Stoltz looks like this could be a potential, like, did he murder one of them sort of situation based on the yeah. cover. Like, yeah, he looks yeah. kind of dangerous. Yeah, no, it it does look like <clears throat> one of these gals is going to get it or something, and it's probably going to be him. It also looks like they're uh, really aggressively airbrushing pretty much everybody on that cover, uh, such that it's difficult to recognize anyone really <laughs> a very yeah, strange and, um, cover if you ask what's, me what's uh uh the one from back to the future what's her name uh leah thompson yeah they don't need to airbrush her in this movie i tell you that much she's great she's great leah thompson's great she's great <laughs> i love leah thompson she's great yeah she's great um 
I'll toss out there that, uh, well, I was going to, but now it's just like, whatever. (laughs) Um, there's actually a a re-release of a couple of, uh, anime titles that, uh, are worth noting, uh, Gundam NT, Gundam Narrative, which I already have the special edition of that's getting a, like a standard edition re-release of some sort. And also the Tale of Princess Kaguya, uh, is getting a, I think it's a Disney disc, um, the only reason I highlight that one, I actually haven't seen that, is uh, at the time of its production, apparently it was the most expensive Japanese animated film. Um, it has a very unique uh, animation style to it. I don't know if I like it. I've seen clips of it, um, but I am, I'm an animation head. Uh, just It doesn't matter if it's Japanese or Western or whatever, just the, the act of stringing together still images to form movement. Uh, is something that fascinates me and when i hear most expensive and i look at the very unique art style and style of animation um it makes me want to see it even if i don't give it out even if i have zero fucks to give about the story which uh does seem to be the case with this one um but yeah that's long been on my to-do list but um uh any other titles for that first week of june that you'd like to point out brad or are you ready to move on I mean, the last thing I'll mention is you got a double feature, a double feature of George Clooney in the American and, and Leatherheads. So all the le- all the Leatherheads heads out there are uh, got something to celebrate this week. Um, but I only wanted to say that so I could say Leatherheads heads. And uh, yeah, that's all I got. Uh, I will point out that the cover for Passion in the Desert from 1997 looks like, I don't know, like, like a cheesy romance novel smashed together with an Animorphs cover. <laughs> um, something about the font and the and the style of like the the painterly kind of effect they have on it makes me think of a cheesy romance novel or something, uh, rather than a movie. Um, uh, in that case, let's move on to the next week. Uh, I will point out that we do have an off date release uh, for a title that I don't know if it's uh, readily available. Um, being as the distributor uh, tends to print things like in limited quantities at a time. Um, that would be the uh, anime title uh, Metal Skin Panic, colon, Maddox uh, 01 from 1987. This was a OVA, uh, original video animation, um, that the DVD of this uh, is over $100. Um, it, it's, uh, it's rare. Um, so this is actually kind of a boon to anybody who would actually care to check out this particular OVA being as the only other official way to gain access to it in the West anyway, uh, was through grossly overpriced secondhand DVDs. Uh, so now, um, I believe it's, uh, Animego, uh, is putting out a new Blu-ray of it, like a super duper premium edition of this. I don't even know if it's good. Um, I just know that it's rare, um, and hard to get, um, but as I said, they tend to put things out in small quantities. Um, so it was available um, on this date, on June 8th. Um, but I seriously doubt you're able to get it if you didn't pre-order it. Um, so it may be quite some time before uh, anybody who didn't pre-order it can get a hold of that one. Uh, but let's bounce on down to the following week, uh, June 14th. And uh, again, as is customary, we'll start with the 4K titles. Uh, right out the gate, we have Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, the the just the, the single film, not the entire Indiana Jones series, which has been released uh, on 4K already, but this is just the individual releases. 
Um, and then we have the movie that uh, all the kids love. And I don't know if they understand what that means because uh, irony is a hell of a thing. And I don't know that younger generations even understand what that word means or what that feeling is. Um, so this would, of course, be Morbius on 4K from the year yes. 2022, the year every the year cinema changed <laughs> from Sony Pictures, um, directed of course by Daniel Espinosa, uh, who gave us oh no did he give us life? He, he gave, did us give us life. life. He, he gave us, us life. life. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Safe House. Uh, I I mostly knew him for Safe House. Um, it's funny because I actually like both of those movies, Safe House and Life. Now, Brad, uh, I have not seen Morbius, but is it Morbin time? Do I do I need to jump on this train? <laughs> I would strongly avoid it, even in an ironic sense, because uh, I don't. It's not even a so bad. It's good kind of movie. It's just very boring, very dull, just like overly serious, not fun at all. Um, yeah, I I did not like this. Probably. Yeah, probably my least favorite movie of the year uh, to to date. Um, and yeah, I would I would avoid this one. I will not be picking up the 4K, that's for sure. Yeah, no, I, I refuse to pay a, pen, a penny uh, to watch Morbius. Um, I, I had I, I laughed when when I heard they were even considering doing a Morbius film because I, I, I don't read comics anymore, but for I don't know the first 20 25 years of my life i i was really up on my superhero comics like i i knew my shit and nobody gave a fuck about morbius <laughs> like, like like i would sooner have expected to see a fucking sleepwalker movie or something from marvel rather than a fucking morbius movie i mean jesus <laughs> like morbius is a very low tier character like i know that that's not across the board it's just like I have never met a Morbius enthusiast uh, in any of my time spent in comic shops or around nerdy folks. Um, so yeah, just the idea of this this being made into a feature film, I was just like, fucking why? They're <laughs> <laughs> desperate. But, well, and maybe maybe the Jared Leto factor, the fact that they the, the studios seem to think he has a lot more juice than he does. It's like, yeah, I get it. He's handsome. Yeah, I get it. Like some people. No one I know, but some people really like his music that apparently exists. <laughs> um, but uh, it just it made no sense to me. I mean, the only other thing that comes to mind is maybe the the vampire thing. Like there there will always be people invested in vampire properties. It's it's just it's almost like a TV shows shot in Hawaii. Like my dad always says, there there will always be a TV show like. Every, like annually there will always be something shot in hawaii just so a crew can have an excuse to to set up shop in hawaii and the same goes for like vampire shit it's like th there will not be a calendar year where something vampire related doesn't get put out um and i i don't know brad how, how did this do at the box office because i know they put it out twice and it fucked it, i think it shat the bed twice as far yeah, as yeah it was pretty uh <laughs> Especially considering it being a superhero movie, yeah, it was a pretty big bomb. Um, I think it opened with like thirty thirty something million, which you know it's not like nothing to turn your nose up at on principle, but yeah, I think they were hoping for much stronger uh, showing. I mean, you compare it to Venom, and I know Venom actually has a following, but 
you know, I guess that's probably the best comparison. And uh, I mean, Venom made way more money than this. Yeah, and on top of that, it, to add insult to injury, I guess, uh, it also sat on a shelf for a couple of years, if memory serves. So it's yeah. just like, you mean we, you mean we incubated that turd? Like, 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 like we got all backed up. We, like, yeah. It's like we constipated ourselves uh, and suffered all the consequences therein, only to result in a turd that, that, <laughs> that came up for seconds. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I refuse to pay any sort of money to watch this movie just because like, I, I object to its existence. <laughs> but, you know, maybe if someone has it on or something and I'm in the room, I'll, I'll give it a look. But beyond yeah. that, even for ironic entertainment purposes, I, I can't, can't do it. Um, yeah, well, Fred, good for you. I paid full price in theaters. All right, well, any other uh, thoughts on... Morbius? No, that's more than I've wanted to say about it again at all. <laughs> okay, well, let's move on then. Uh, so we have uh, Michael Bay's latest offering, Ambulance, which is apparently a uh, remake, I think, of a French film. Um, I, uh, I I think you've seen this already, correct, Brad? Yeah, I uh, I quite enjoyed this, actually. I mean, it's, uh, it's peak Bay. I mean, but it, it feels nice of him getting some to something a little bit quote unquote smaller um and uh, you know i it's goofy it's over the top it's completely ridiculous at times but i i had a pretty fun time with it um so this is one i, I probably would pick this up on 4k because i think i would want to rewatch this yeah I, as soon as i saw the advertising for this i was like yes fucking fucking yes like like yeah that that looks right up now and mm-hmm. it, it's also it's like an example of like I forget how like if we already talked about this, but this feels like kind of like Michael Bay doing what he should be doing, because he like say what you will about his stylistic sensibilities and like his opinions on just the country in general, <laughs> but uh, he has a very dim view of humanity, is what I'm getting at. Like he has a very cynical view of American society. But um, say what you will about like all of that. Like as a filmmaker, as a person who composes shots and put and puts together kinetic films, he's quite good at what he does. There's a reason why like multi hundred million dollar franchises are handed off to him. It's because he can be trusted with those things and the the planning and the the staging of things like that, which is not something everybody has it in them to do. Um, that's a very specialized skill set. Um, but things like this, and in particular, like Pain and Gain, and even some of those, uh, maybe just the first two Bad Boys movies, although the second one, I think, is a terrible film, but it is, like, representative of Michael Bay's oeuvre. Like, it's it basically is, like, the movie that represents him, I think, the most, most cleanly. Um, those kinds of movies seem to be more his wheelhouse rather than the, I guess, in retrospect, it almost looks like a, a pit stop. Uh, in the form of the Transformers movies, which he's kind of been pigeonholed into being like the franchise shepherd of, but I I don't think he was especially enthusiastic about that. It was more just like a platform. Like, basically, it was just an excuse for him to throw around $300 million and do whatever the fuck he wanted with it. In terms of narrative and storytelling, I, I don't think he gave two fucks about anything to do with the Transformers series. It was just like, 
you know, sure, I'll take your $300 million and do whatever the fuck crazy horse shit I want to do with it. it was, basically, it's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to play with your toys. I'll give you a product. It's not going to be the one you asked for, but sure, here you go. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, I, I saw the, the trailers for it, and I was like, yeah, that looks like a lot of fun. It looks like he had a lot of fun with the cinematography and the editing, and I, I, I want to say it, it's probably a fun ride. Yeah, I really like uh, Jake Gyllenhaal in it a lot. And uh, it's just nice to see a like a kind of mid-budget action movie, you know, coming out in theaters. It's not, uh, you know, like it's a little more, it's not going after a gun kata or anything like that. It's kind of like a, a sturdy, just uh, conceptually driven with its ideas and uh, its direction. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd like to watch it again. It was fun. Yeah, I may actually end up blind buying this one. Like it, it seems like it had enough to offer that I, I'd feel pretty confident just opening my wallet. So I guess that's a big win for Universal this month because I think uh, the Northman is also uh, one of their offerings. And what's more, uh, Brad, is this new, this collector's edition banner that they're putting on their covers? Yeah, I don't know if it's new, but um, it's kind of gross because I don't know what exactly makes it a collector's edition other than that it's a physical release. I think um, that's all it is, actually. Yeah. It's just like it's collector's edition because you paid for it. <laughs> that's where we're at now with physical media. I mean, I hate to say it, but yeah, that does seem to be the case. But yeah, that seems to be fairly new. Um, but yeah, I, I don't like the look of it. I find it distracting. I find tinsel distracting. <laughs> um, but uh, we have Euro Trip Unrated Edition from 2004. Um, it does look like this had been released previously. Um, Can I just say, I hate that cover art because the way that the unrated is, you know, placed, it seems like it's covering nudity, but she's clearly still wearing her bathing suit. Yeah, she, um, her top is very much on. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, come on, like, like either Photoshop that out or what's going on here, but I, I kind of... Kind of, I hate it. Like, it just grinds my gears. Not saying, like, I need their, them to take her swimsuit off or anything like that, but it's just like, if you're going to commit to it, commit to it. Like, let's go. Well, everything about it's terrible. I mean, the composition, the color, um, like, without even zooming in, I can tell we've got some really horrendous, like, cut and paste jobs of, of figures slapped onto a phony beach and whatnot. Um, but I don't know, maybe this is like some puritanical American shit where it's like, oh, like, we can't imply that she's topless. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, but uh, we also have uh, five Final Destination films in one box. Now, Brad, is this all the Final Destination films? So far, I do believe it is. There is a new one coming out later this year, though. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Straight to HBO Max, but yeah. Oh, I mean, eh, I mean, I'll... I, I'll watch it. Yeah. It it seems like this franchise, like, yeah, that, that about fits, I think. Yeah. No, I, 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 I started out bummed out, and then I was like, nah, that's probably appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also have uh, on Blu-ray, uh, Benedetta. This would be Paul Verhoeven, Dutch filmmaker, Paul Verhoeven's most recent film. I have heard this is fucking wild, um, and I'm a big fan of his work, so I may... I may run out of my way to check this one out i don't think i'll buy it um but i really do like paul verhoeven and i have heard this is a fucking crazy nutty film yeah i mean if you like watching nuns have sex with each other probably your favorite movie of last year um 
this is another cover. Uh, I I did like the film. I didn't love it, but it it is good. Um, and it's it's more than just you know. It, there's more to it than this nonsense. I mean, sack, but that is it, there. It's a Paul Verhoeven film. There's always a little bit more going on. Yeah. Um, another uh, cover that is uh, not the greatest because the original poster for this. Um, it's a, so it's a woman wearing a white gown with her breast sneaking out through a little uh, little crack in the the nightgown there, and uh, the original poster uh, there was some nipple showing. And I guess for the Blu-ray release, they had to uh, Photoshop out the nipple. But it makes the the proportions not. I you, you know once you start realizing that there was supposed to be a nipple there, the uh, proportions of her breast are. You're questioning where is this nipple? Something's off here. Yeah, it's funny because I was I was joking about the puritanical American sentiments with the uh, unrated uh, Euro Trip cover, but this literally is that like, like you can tell that if we're going to put this on american shelves no nah, you can't hint at a nipple like that 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 would be sleazy it's like i i always get a kick out of stuff like this because my girlfriend has uh actually she actually does she she's dutch like like she's not dutch but her mom is so like they have european sensibilities under that household so so like the idea of like a nipple on the cover it's like who gives a fuck <laughs> So they're always scoffing about how uh, puritanical our uh, American sensibilities are. Um, but bopping on down, we got The Clock featuring Judy Garland. Um, and then we have uh, from Shout Select, uh, Herzog, colon, The Collection Volume 2. Uh, I actually wasn't aware that there was a Volume 1 out there, but this appears to be a collection of Werner, the works of uh, one Werner Herzog. Uh, mm-hmm. Have you... Uh, have you checked any of these out, Brad? No, I, I do want to pick up Volume One. Um, it's so a little controversial here. Not really controversial, but you know, I'm drumming up some. You know, I'm just you know making it sound exciting uh, more than it is. It's controversial because so the original Herzog Collection Volume One came in a beautiful big booklet, Be- big big booklet. This one comes in just your standard blu-ray case maybe slightly larger to fit in all the discs but basically just a standard case with a slip cover so the two of these uh, next to each other on the shelf looking mighty awkward very awkward so now the question is if you take the big book and you put it outside the regular collection do you got to keep the volume two outside of the collection with the big book do you have to put them both on the shelf now i mean do you separate them what do you do so you know, it's just a just a disaster, to be honest. I mean, last time you and I spoke, Brad, on Tales from the Shelf, uh, we were talking about things that make Brad puke in his lap uh, <laughs> when it comes to the world of movie collecting. Uh, I would I would venture a guess and say that something like this on your shelf would would cause that would yeah. cause some nasty acid reflux. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. I would like to get volume one, even with the giant uh, booklet. Uh, I think and not saying I wouldn't want to get volume two either, but I, I do believe most or if not all in volume two of the films and shorts are documentaries. Um, and I think the first collection has a mix of both. Uh, fictional films he's done and documentaries so there's maybe a little bit more of a variety to volume one but uh, I, I mean I, I like what I've seen of Herzog I, there's a lot I haven't seen so I would like to kind of dig in 
Yeah, I'm much in the same position. Um, I have only seen a handful of his works, but I, f- I find him just as a person to be immensely compelling. Mm-hmm. So it uh, by extension, it, it makes me want to check out more of his work. So um, I don't think I would start with volume two, uh, but you know it is on my to-do list, checking out more of his filmography. Um, we have Father Stew from 2022 from Sony Pictures. This uh, appears to be headlined by one Marky Mark, a.k.a. Mark Wahlberg. And also we have Mel Gibson. Whoa. Uh, that's not a name you see every day. Uh, do you know anything about this, Brad? Because I remember seeing it advertised only in images, though. I never saw a trailer for this, but I just would see like images of it tossed up in the background of websites I'd be at. Yeah, I mean, I don't know much about it either. Um, I mean, I think based on the name and the fact that Mel Gibson is in there, I think you kind of know who they're going after. Um, but <laughs> I don't know. I mean, at least I, I do appreciate when uh, these... Um, faith-based films have you know it makes it at least when there's some stars in it not that i'm going to watch this but if i did somehow go to like a uh family christmas party and they were going to put on a movie of this nature at least i could be like well at least it's got mark Wahlberg and maybe mel gibson will get a little unhinged i don't know so you know at least there's that to it huh uh very uh, inexperienced director, according to Blu-ray.com, uh, Rosalind Ross, or Rosalind Ross. Um, but yeah, uh, I do think it's a little bit cheeky that they would put out Benedetta the same <laughs> the same day. <laughs> uh, that seems like a little bit of a dig at Father Stu, maybe. You got all I, demographics I, there. You got all the demographics. I appreciate it, actually. I think that's cute. Um, we have the Horse Soldiers, uh, featuring John Wayne, who was... I, who I was not allowed to watch when I was a kid. <laughs> um, we have um, The Last of the Dogmen from 1995 from Kino uh, featuring, is who is that supposed to be, Brad? If, if you, like, uh, you probably already read, but, like, that actor on the cover, who, who would you guess that would be? I mean, to me, it almost looks like a Jeff Bridges kind of vibe. Yeah, I would have said like like Jeff Bridges or uh, Paul Newman actually for a second, but then I mm, saw the 1995 yeah. and I was like, no, that's that's not possible. It's apparently Tom Berenger. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's a hand drawn cover. Uh, it's okay. Like the fact that we couldn't tell who it was is a little bit of a problem, but you know, it is what it is. Um, I'm so, yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. I think I just got thrown off because uh, we skipped over the most likely highly offensive, uh, the mysterious Doctor Fu Manchu um from kino just <laughs> got thrown off because we skipped over that um well, you were you had it in the holster you were ready to pounce on that one well i mean it's yeah uh it's also a double feature so i mean you got loads of but um well yeah. you know while we're on the subject like it needs to be said um uh, apparently fu manchu uh like he's just one of those characters in pop culture that was kind of everywhere for a while um was it charlie chan also was another character that was portrayed in yellow face well not like outright yellow face but caucasian actors playing charlie chan the detective character and fu manchu was kind of a similar situation 
Um, so it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, no, this doesn't fly in 2022. Absolutely fucking not. Um, but yeah, here it is. You could proudly display it in your living room or in your den. You should put this on the coffee table as a conversation piece. <laughs> yeah. It'd get people talking. I mean, there's only, uh, in the blueer.com forums, only eight people have replied in the thread for these, uh, films, but the people are, uh, they're loving it. Uh, according to uh richard w he said i'm gobsmacked and flabbergasted by this announcement so um, i mean the product is from 1929 to 1930 those do sound like vocabulary words from somebody who would have been around for that <laughs> <laughs> but yeah either that or maybe they're a grindhouse enthusiast or something because if memory serves one of the better parts of uh the Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez uh, joint grindhouse was the fake trailer, which featured Nicolas Cage as Dr. Fu Manchu. Um, <laughs> it's funny, if memory serves that part of the movie, like the, the release of Grindhouse in general was kind of fragmented and a little bit, not botched, but like kind of funky, where it's yeah. like, like just getting what was shown in the theater was apparently not a straightforward process because like they did end up releasing extended versions of each of the individual films um but as a result you lost out on some of the stuff like the the intermission like the fake trailers and whatnot um and also apparently the extended versions of both those movies are the inferior cuts of them as far mm-hmm. as i've heard uh it's not something i've looked into personally but i remember reading up on that um and hearing that most people preferred the way it was originally screened um any anything to add to that brad like did you have any encounters with any of that just that i i I didn't see it in theaters and i wish i had gotten the chance because i mean is there a release where you can like i don't think there is where you can watch the entire thing as it was shown in theaters like they're as far as i know the movies were released individually and i'm sure like the trailers and stuff are bonus features on the discs i'm guessing but I don't think there is any easy way to sit down and watch the entire Grindhouse Grindhouse as it was meant to be seen, right? It's been a really long time uh, since I've looked into it, but I think the last time I checked, that was the case. Where like people were kind of upset over the fact that it's like, but what if I just want to see the thing that I saw rather than like a super duper double length version of both of the movies that I honestly don't really care to see. <laughs> Um, that's actually something I'd like to go back and rewatch, uh, if I can, apparently, uh, Grindhouse, because I only watched it the one time, uh, and I enjoyed it for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so, uh, we got something from 2022, that's really the only reason I'm pointing it out, uh, is because it's a contemporary release, uh, that would be from Decal releasing, uh, Infinite Storm, uh, featuring Naomi Watts. And no one else you've heard of, as far as I can tell, unless uh, Billy Howley or Howell uh, is a household name. Um, you know anything about this one, Brad? Uh, not really. Uh, she's Naomi Watts had a couple uh, really kind of like VOD or limited release films come out this year. And um, a couple of people I saw, I read some articles. I mean, what happened to her career? What is going on with her? Like, just like she's choosing these kind of weird projects and maybe she's just not getting offered anything better but um the one release that i can't remember the name of it but it's something about like um there's like a shooting 
I don't want to assume it was a school shooting, but it might be. And it's her, and it's all in real time as she's running to the school or something. And it's all about her, like, taking calls. And, like, it. I heard it's not very good, but it sounded interesting at the very least. Yeah, it's just the that premise sounds like a fascinating experiment, even if the execution isn't perfect. And I, I can applaud that. Um, I hadn't heard of that, but, you know, um, if you find out the title, I'd be curious. Yeah, the, the um, desperate hour. Okay, is I think it an at hour least long? An hour. Yeah, it takes her an hour to get to the school or something or something like that. Okay, so it's it's one of those real time films, kind of like a run low of run or something. Yeah, I think so. Okay, yeah, I, I could I could see that being interesting, even if it's not like actually a good movie. Like just that, just giving it a shot is is enough to be like intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I don't know what what happened to Naomi Watts's career. Um, cause maybe it was the book of Henry. seems like a lot of people got hurt by that movie. <laughs> yeah. She, she was also in movie 43. Oh, oh so. wow. She got double, like one, two, man. Just yeah, <laughs> yeah. knocked on her ass. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I've always thought she was pretty talented, although she does have a odd quirk of never shutting her goddamn mouth. Um, it's just one of those things that i've noticed where her mouth is always a little oh, bit open you mean literally just, i thought yeah, you meant like she doesn't stop talking no she just always has this little air pocket just, <laughs> just i don't know why it's like at some point in the mid 2000s i think it was around i think it was because king kong was so goddamn long that i i ended up fixating on that and i was like this woman never shuts her mouth oh, interesting <laughs> very interesting christian bale too he's always got He's always got his lips kind of puckered out and just a little bit out there. And uh, what's his face? John Bernthal. He's always licking his lips. Yeah. He uh, he licks his lips and he rubs his head too. Yeah. He always rubs his head or before a dramatic statement, he's got to look to either side and yeah. wet his lips. They've got their ticks. They've got their ticks. Yeah, everybody does. Like, like I mean, even the best of actors, like, they come back to themselves eventually. But no, in Naomi Watts' case, it's, it's that goddamn mouth. It's always hanging open. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, we have another uh, Criterion release of uh, Fa- Farewell Amour uh, from the year 2020. Um, I'll just go ahead and read the plot summary. Reunited after 17 years, an Angolan immigrant is joined in the U.S. by his wife and daughter. Now strangers sharing a one-bedroom apartment, they discover a shared love of dance that may help them overcome the distance between them. You know, it's in the Criterion Collection. It's probably worth your time, but that plot plot summary really didn't sell me on it. (laughs) Um, But it is what it is. Yeah, I got got nothing to add. Yeah, I I got nothing. But um, we'll point out that we have uh, the Rescuers two movie collection being put out by Disney. Um, I actually have this, um, but like an older edition of it. Um, the only reason I'm pointing this out is because the Rescuers Down Under uh, was one of personally one of my favorite Disney movies as a very young child, uh, which is why I own it. I, I don't make a habit of buying a lot of Disney animated films, but that was one that I felt deserved a place on my shelf. Um, also, we have a two-pack of the Emperor's New Groove films. Uh, I I only saw that first one the one time, but man, there are some good gags in that movie. Like I really enjoyed that one. That, yeah, that came that, out that of nowhere. A good one. Yeah, Patrick Warburton, man, he's great. Um, David Spade also. But um, what else we got? We got Fatherhood featuring Kevin Hart uh, from the year twenty twenty one. 
uh, Love and Human Remains from 1993, unrated director's cut from Sony Pictures. Um, that is a very busy cover. Holy shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what to look at there. <laughs> I know there's so many words and like and focal points. It's like, what the fuck am I looking at? But um, what else we got? Uh, we, we need to do something from the year 2021 from IFC Films. Uh, featuring no one you've ever heard of. Oh yeah, and Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> Did not see that coming. Wow. Um, yeah. It, after Melissa and her family seek shelter from a storm, they become trapped with no sign of rescuer. Uh, hours turn to days, and Melissa comes to realize that she and her girlfriend Amy might have something to do with the horrors that threaten to tear her family and the entire world apart. Okay. Featuring Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. I will say uh, Pat Healy. I do know who Pat Healy is. Oh, I didn't catch him in there. Yeah. My mistake. Um, so, I mean, it's huge cast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Brad, I'm going to kick it over to you again. What uh, what jumps out at you next? Uh, boy, I, you know, I don't know if you want to kick it over to me. I guess um, <laughs> we've got <laughs> Hacks Season 1, which is apparently a very good comedy with um jeans is it jean smart is that her name oh shit um yeah jean smart okay apparently people are like this is her greatest moment this is her shining hour um but i gotta be honest aside from that there's not much here (laughs) yeah uh not a whole lot for the remainder of the week. Um, I will point out that there is a film from a first-time director, Ninja Badass, from the year 2020, um, is advertised as a, quote, perfect midnight movie, which most certainly suggests it is not. Um, it's like, you can't, when it comes to schlock like that, you can't manufacture it. Like, it has to happen organically. And if, yep. you, if you seek out to make a, a schlocky midnight movie, I guarantee you you're going to fuck it up. <laughs> like, it has to happen organically. Um, but we also have um, something called Turbo Cola from the year 2022, which has a, a extraordinarily try-hard cover. Um, they're, they're trying to hit all the millennial checkboxes. We got... Although, there's not enough purple on the cover. I will criticize that by saying, like, if you, if you are... If you're trying to gain an audience in the year 2022 with the youths, Brad, like it needs more purple. Because yeah. I only see I only see pink. I don't see a whole lot of purple on this cover, and that's you know, can't do that. Yeah, that's a fail. That's a fail on their part. That's a, that is an outright fail. Uh, everything about this looks like an outright fail, though. Although I will point out, it they do very proudly display a couple of badges on the cover here. Uh, winner. South Texas International Film Festival. Winner, Central Michigan. Hey, International <laughs> Film Festival. <laughs> Listen, I'm not, I don't want to disparage my home state, but uh, I've been to some local Michigan film festivals and I would not uh, wear any of those badges as any sort of honor. Um, <laughs> the one film festival I went to. Uh, all the movies were played uh, through a Mac laptop. <laughs> oh fuck! And wow. the filmmaker was there, and it was just a short. It was just a short, a group of shorts. And uh, the uh, when they hit play on the Mac laptop, like the play 
something like the play icon like didn't get out of the way in time so like the first like three shots of the movie were like obscured by i don't know it was just it was great uh, uh, yeah i mean just leave it at that I mean, it, that is always awkward though when the artist is in the room with you yeah and like and like there's a temptation to have sincere reactions to the thing but like if they're negative there's like i don't know the more conscientious side of you that's like i, I should just keep it to myself yeah <laughs> i mean it, it was very weird because it was um basically where i went to school and it was a ba- it's the second largest city in michigan so it's you know it, it was the grand rapids film festival i believe so i'm like oh you know it's not detroit but it's the second largest city. it's gotta be you know it's gotta be pretty legit and yeah. um it was in a classroom um it was there was like 10 people there uh, it's very, very <laughs> odd. I, 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 I walked in the building. I'm like, oh, I'm here for the film festival. And the lady was like, didn't know what I was talking about. And I'm like, uh, where do I, where do I go? It was just very, very weird. That's, that's also doubly awkward when, when you show up to a, a small event and like, it's like, am I in the right place? Yeah. It's like, oh no, it's actually that small. <laughs> and then it's too late to leave. Too late exactly. to leave. Yeah, you can't you can't back out at that point because it's like there's no one to hide behind. Yeah. Like you can't slip out. Uh, so, I, I have been there, Brad. I've I, been there. I don't have high hopes for the Central Michigan Film Festival, but <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh but like I'm not yet done with this one just because it it's it's calling attention to itself, and I'm I'm enjoying kind of ragging on this. But it's from a first time director, from what I can tell, at least based on Blu-ray.com, Luke Covert. Uh, it's being put out by Giant Interactive, which only has a couple other titles. But I'll just go ahead and read the plot summary in case anybody cares. Uh, with all his friends headed to a party on the last night of 1999. Oh, it's a period piece, Brad. Uh, Austin takes an extra shift at the Quality Mart gas station and is forced to look down the barrel of what it means to graduate high school and face a future stuck in his middle of nowhere hometown that was all one sentence uh he's got one night to make his dreams come true legal or not and he's taking it uh not gonna lie brad i have i have not only helped write this movie i have been in this movie <laughs> like in college <laughs> like like i think every other kid uh, in the film program at my college wrote and filmed this exact movie just you know change adjust the timeline accordingly mm-hmm. um anyway that was turbo cola from 2022 um now i have a question for you brad so we have an off date release this would be june 15th the meat hood massacre collection just what the fuck is this like because it is calling attention to itself it looks like they spared no expense with it yet i have no idea what this is you know it's kind of bizarre um to think because i i I like to think i'm pretty big into horror i've got my you know ear to the ground in the horror community nowadays uh i've never heard of this so i mean the fact that there is uh what how many of these eight nine eight I think it's eight. There's a lot. Yeah. There's a yeah, lot. Yeah, there are eight. There are eight of these fuckers. I, I've never heard of this. Not 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 seen any. I've never even heard of this. Um kind of kind of surprising. I mean, they spared no expense with the packaging though, because like they, they even have like an art style. I would not be surprised if maybe one of these artists or is either the same person or was instructed to draw inspiration from some of the sh- the Scream Factory. Uh, boxes we've had over the years in particular the friday the 13th one 
Um, but yeah, the Meat Hood Massacre from the year 2015 uh, to 2021. Uh, eight fucking films that, like Brad said, like I'm not as well versed as Brad in the in the world of horror cinema, but we're both not ignorant to this sort of thing, and yet somehow neither of us know what the fuck this is. But it looks like they really uh, put a lot of elbow grease into putting this thing out. It's from a Sterling Entertainment, by the way, who, as far as I can tell, this is their only offering. Um, I mean, we do live in a, a new age of media where all these extraordinarily niche products, uh, like if if you're willing to, to front the bill, uh, you can put out a prestige box of whatever the fuck you want in whatever quantities you want. Um, so like there are, are a lot of underseen or, or unknown movies out there that I would imagine get premium packaging from time to time without having any more than a niche audience being at all invested in them. But um, yeah, yeah, this one's a mystery to me. I, I just <laughs> want to say, actually, the more I research into this, it's not too surprising that there's eight of these. Um, I uh, went on the director of, I think, the original, his uh, IMDb. And yeah. in 2021 alone, if I'm counting correctly, uh, he directed 15 features. Uh, so, wow, he, yeah. he's putting I mean, in work. <laughs> some of those features are on the on the border of being a feature. They're like listed here as 50, like five minutes or whatever, and some of them have no runtime. So I don't know if they are a feature. But uh, I mean, he's he's pumping these things out, whatever they are. Damn, I mean, he's he's working. I hope he's collecting a paycheck for his yeah. efforts. Um, oh, kind of a tangent, Brad, but I'm curious. Uh, have you ever heard of, if I throw the words uh, Hotel Inferno in at you, does that mean anything to you? Sounds familiar, but I can't, I can't tell you where I would hear that from. I think they're, uh, I think they're Italian. Um, I mean, they're most certainly European productions, but apparently there's like a trilogy of them. I've only seen clips of them. And as far as I can tell, the only, like, official way to get a hold of them is directly from, like, the filmmaker's website. And a, I, I went down a rabbit hole trying to make sense of this fucking horseshit, but apparently there's a whole cinematic universe attached to this stuff, and it's all these very, very low-budget, sci- like, sci-fi slash horror films. But the Hotel Inferno series, it looks like it's, like, heavily inspired by first-person shooters, in particular Doom. Hmm. Um, and the gore effects and the the nature of the effects work i find to be very compelling like i don't imagine the movies are very good but the 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 way they decided to go about rendering some of the effects actually seems very interesting to me so i have no interest in the greater fucking meta series that exists they have a fucking like chronology and like universal map on that website it's uh-huh. truly bizarre it's like this is like ultra niche like stuff that like i i don't even remember how i found my way to that website i'm not it i'm not at all interested in going down that rabbit hole i just want to see some doom inspired gore mm-hmm. um, so i i may actually check those out at some point um i would encourage you to like look up a clip or something see if, see if it strikes your fancy yeah it's it's intriguing it's intriguing Okay, well, I just thought I'd toss that out there. Um, anyway, June 21st, uh, right out the gate, we have our 4K releases. Uh, we have Giant uh, from 1956 on 4K uh, being put out by Warner Brothers. Um, looks like it got a 4 out of 5 in terms of image quality. Uh, so this would be one of the, what, three films uh, that, that featured James Dean? Yes, um, this is, yeah. This is a big one. 
not one that I've seen personally, but of course I know it by reputation in that it's one of the very few films uh, to feature James Dean. <clears throat> we also have uh, The Bad Guys on 4K. Uh, what is that? <laughs> yeah, it's a, a new animated movie that came out. I, uh, I'm kind of curious about it. I actually like the style of animation. I think it looks kind of interesting and unique. And the story's kind of, uh, I, based on the trailer that I saw a million times in theaters, seems like it's these villains, these bad guys, these animals that try to give up their life of crime and go good. They try to break good. Um and hilarity ensues. Definitely, I might, I might, I'm probably going to watch this. I, it's a rental. I'd, I'd rent, I got a free Redbox rental with my Redbox rewards, thinking about using it on this one. So, Okay, well, let me know how it goes. Um, we also have uh, Universal Soldier on 4K. Um, this was actually put out previously, um, although this is a Steelbook edition being put out by Best Buy. Um also have the Nick Cage headlined uh, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, uh, which is directed by Tom Gormican, um, and also features the man who is in goddamn everything, Pedro Pascal. This fucking guy, like, like <laughs> he's just like, I don't know if he has the hardest working agent in Hollywood or what his deal is, but he yeah. just, he is in everything these days. He's working. He knows right now is his moment and he's, he's cashing in while he can. I guess. I mean, I don't have a problem with the guy. It's just alarming how often I see his fucking face plastered on things. Yeah, he's um, in a lot. He is in a lot. Uh, speaking of uh, VHS cover art films, uh, in fact, one that Kyle and I, or at least I, uh, directly referenced on the most recent episode, uh, the Night of the Demons 2 episode, uh, Uncle Sam is getting a 4K release from Blue Underground. Now, I don't know, I don't believe this has the uh, hol- holographic cover uh, that the VHS version had, uh, wherein if you change the angle you view it at, it, it turns into like a, a scary zombie Uncle Sam. Um, but yeah, it, funny timing that we get a, a film being put out from the same director as the schlocky 90s direct-to-video horror movie that we talked about, as well as another one uh, in the form of Uncle Sam. Um and then we have uh, a Criterion 4K uh, in the form of Shaft from 1971, uh, plus Shaft's big score on Blu-ray. So one of the Shaft sequels. Um, I believe there was one more, though. I think it was Shaft in Africa or Shaft goes to Africa. I forget how it was phrased. Um, have you seen this one, Brad? No, I, I've never seen Shaft, um, but I I want to, and I'm, I've definitely I've been keeping up on the Criterion 4Ks to a decent amount, um, so I I probably will get this one, if not in the next sale, maybe the one after that, but maybe the next sale. Yeah, I could I could see you being happy with this one. I mean, any Criterion 4K, especially one that gets a five out of five on Blu-ray.com for its image quality, is very much worth your time. Uh, I I saw this one a long time ago. Uh, I think I watched it with my dad. It's a fun one. Um, I don't have much more to say about that um it's just kind of like it's a it is of course a very historically like worthwhile film um but as a film in general it's not one that means a whole lot to me personally i think did you say about the the sequel coming to blu-ray but you didn't did you say that the sequel is included as a bonus feature on the 4k is that what you said or that's what it says. Okay. Uh, if you if you open the profile of Shaft on 4K 
um, on Blu-ray.com. Uh, it's a Shaft 4K Blu-ray plus Shaft's big score on Blu-ray. Okay. Yep, gotcha. Uh, so it looks like it's in the same box. So it's a good package um, then, yeah. I mean, two for one, I guess. Um, although, I, based on the phrasing, I would assume that Shaft's big score is a 1080p Blu-ray uh, and not a 4K oh, disc. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we have something called After Yang or After Yang uh, from Lionsgate Films uh, from the year 2022. Uh, this is directed by uh, a single name filmmaker, Kogonada, yes. uh, who also um, did Columbus from 2017. Yeah, I, I liked Columbus. I saw it. Um, I think. I want to say this guy is like a painter or he's an artist or he it was his first kind of foray into filmmaking or maybe he's a photographer or something. He does something. He, he, he has a, he's employed somehow. Maybe he's a, a school bus driver. I don't know. But um, I liked uh, Columbus and uh, I've heard pretty good things about After Yang. He is very um, slow moving, like not in a bad way, but slow moving, deliberately paced, uh, kind of just uh, meditative sort of films. And, um, yeah, I, I, I would like to see this, uh, at, at the time, I think it came out, it was like, um, it debuted on like Showtime or something like that. Like you had to get the Showtime app. Um, so I'm glad it's outside of that now and I'll probably give it a poke. Yeah. Uh, the compositions and the color palette on the screenshots alone make it look visually very compelling. Um, plus Colin Farrell is always a selling point for me personally. Um, yeah. so I would... I would be interested to check that out, maybe. Um, yeah. Now for something completely different. Uh, we have King Ralph being put out on 19... 19- <laughs> from uh, the VHS uh, retro collection from Mill Creek Entertainment. Not that different. Not that different. <laughs> They're the same. Brad pointed out to me uh, a while back that uh, the cover that you see, the image that you see displayed on uh, blu-ray.com is representative of what you will be putting on your shelf um if you're not familiar with what we're talking about basically it's um like the vertically oriented uh rectangular format like vhs cover art for the original film but with like a like a fake vhs tape protruding from the side of it which if you if you actually owned vhs tapes generally the tape protrudes from the bottom, not the side. Um, point is, uh, these are kind of hideous, honestly. Like, like yeah. in concept, I, I guess there's an appeal to it, but like actually seeing the thing physically, like holding it in your hand, I could totally see this just being like, what the fuck were they thinking? Yeah, I'm not a fan of this at all. I, I hate this kind of gimmicky packaging, and this one's extra gross. Yeah, I mean, King Ralph as a film, I don't have any problems with, but yeah, the packaging, I, you know, I applaud the creativity, but mm, I don't know, guys. Uh, Heart and Souls from 1993 also got the same uh, MVD treatment there. Um, We also have an Arrow release of The Initiation of Sarah from 1978. Now, Brad, uh, is this one that's known to you? No, it's not. I'm wondering if... It was part of a collection, and it's just now getting a standard release. I'm not too sure, actually. Um, but this one, and also there's uh, The Edge of Sanity. Um, I don't know too much about either of these. My, my guess, and this is just a guess, and it's probably wrong, but my guess would be this was part of the um, American Horror Project 
volume two potentially and these are just now getting standard releases let me mm. check I know I, the Ed, I know Edge of Sanity. I think that's Anthony Perkins uh, on the cover there. Um, 1989. Wow, that was very late in his career. Um, yeah, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. So cut, okay. cut that. Yep, that's getting cut. It's not getting cut. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have uh, Rouge from 1987, which is a Criterion release. Uh, this is directed by Stanley Kwan um, and uh, features... Uh, some beloved actors in uh, Hong Kong cinema, Anita Mui and uh, Leslie Chung, and it's also produced by one Jackie Chan. Um, not a film known to me, but uh, there's there are some heavy hitters there listed among the, the credits, so it's, as we tend to say, it's very much worth your time. Uh, we have Forced Entry from 1976 uh, from Dark Force Entertainment. Um, I will say this much. I am a little bit bummed out. I thought the uh, the rendering of the man on the cover there, I thought that was John Saxon, but no, it's not. And I always pop for John Saxon. He's great. He's great in everything. <laughs> he and his uh, crate of toupees. <laughs> um, but I think I saw Nancy Allen there listed on the cover um, from 1976. Oh, yeah. yeah, so probably around the time she was doing Carrie and stuff. Um we got uh, Monday Morning from 1990. Um, that cover art has me a little bit nervous, if I'm being honest. Like, we talked about yeah. things that won't fly in 2022. Um, the implication of the cover art of this one uh, screams that as well. Like, do you get similar vibes from that, Brad? Yeah, I mean, I don't know actually what this is about, but this looks like uh, it's in poor taste even for me. Um and it's really saying yeah, that's, something. That's saying a lot. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, see. folks, like if you just look at the cover, it it seems to imply some sort of gun violence at a school. Um, now, bear in mind, the film was made in 1990, but the choice to release the movie uh, on Blu-ray in 2022, that was a choice. Um, this is certainly a, a movie that I don't know that people would be uh, like starting riots over it being shelved for a couple of years or something to find a more opportune time to put it out but could be wrong but that's just that's just what the visual language of the cover art is suggesting um yeah not quite as uh potentially offensive as um the uh oh i forget the one of vinegar syndrome's partner labels had a movie the the carbine high massacre oh yeah was, i do remember that one yeah yeah uh that one yeah I, I will yeah. say I am curious just to see like how like in poor taste it is, but don't really want to have it on my shelf. Um, but yeah, it, it needs to be said. This doesn't do me or Brad for that matter, as far as I can tell, any like personal harm or anything. We're just mm-hmm. making mention of the fact that there are some people who have opinions about this sort of thing. Not necessarily myself, but um, yeah, uh, interesting choice from uh, MVD Rewind. Um, I love the yeah. guy who runs that, though. I love the guy who runs that. He's a great guy. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's every so, sometimes he'll go Facebook Live, and one time he was just going Facebook Live, and he cracked open a beer, and he was just th- taking questions, and it was kind of this very, uh, like, just down-to-earth kind of guy. See, that is really cool about about these, like, boutique labels and, like, smaller distributors is it, it does have, like, a genuine personal touch to it. Uh, in particular, the 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 movies that get added to these catalogs it feels curated like like it is like a, a brand 
Um, yeah. So that's really cool. Like I, I wasn't aware of that, but that that's really cool to know. Um, we have a film called Groupie from the year 2020, uh, 2010 rather, uh, that appears to be a slasher film about, uh, or like some sort of thriller about a, a band groupie. Uh, interesting premise. Um, we have a uh, Ipman colon the awakening from 2021. Uh, this is from Haya, uh, which is of course the, uh, martial arts film streaming service which i don't have an account for because i already own all the ones that i want to see <laughs> i don't need a streaming service um this is you know one of the dozens of movies and t and or television series that are being put out to capitalize on the the ipman name um, which is really funny to me being as ipman does have surviving relatives um who, who do have an estate and who do have opinions about how they're about how the member of their family is presented on film and whatnot, but it's China. They don't give a shit. Um, so I, I don't have any interest in checking this out. I just think it's funny how often the Yipman name gets trotted out to, to make a buck um, outside of, you know, the, the mainline Donnie Yen films, which of course, as far as I understand, the, the family did not give the blessing to. There was a, a more obscure, less good Yipman film that actually did feature one of his surviving relatives it was really funny because it was like even more false like even more fictionalized and even more dumb and over the top than the the donnie yen films and yeah. yet that was the one that they decided to sign off on <laughs> it's like what the fuck man it's, i i you know i don't yeah. know how that shit works but i just thought that was laughable it's like so this was the one that you this was the one that you attached yourself to not the good one like not the good ones not the one that got a fucking franchise, just the, that that one stinker that features one of the goons from the earlier Ipman films who got his ass beat and who had like two lines of dialogue as Ipman. That's the one that you want to be in. <laughs> That's the one that you want to cash in on. Fucking idiot. Anyway, um, the seller from twenty twenty two. Poor choice. Poor choice. Poor choice. Well, what that what that tells you is they missed the boat. Is that they they probably when they were producing the first Ipman film, the first Donnie Yen Ipman film, the family probably said, No, we will not sign off on your park. And then the sequel came out, and then the next sequel came out, and they're like, Fuck, we're missing out on so much money. It's like and then they yeah. keep crank because it's China, they keep cranking out other Ipman movies. It's like, uh, we gotta get in on one of these. It's like uh, just arbitrarily just like pick one. It's like uh, that one. It's like, well pulled it out of the hat. Yeah, it's like I'm sorry to inform you, but you you picked the wrong one. <laughs> uh, the seller from 2022 from RLJ Entertainment. Um, wow. Uh, do you know anything about this one, Brad? Because uh, there's a there's simultaneously a lot and absolutely nothing going on with this cover. <laughs> I want to say it's a Shutter film, or it's currently on Shutter at the very least, but I don't see Shutter anywhere on the. Uh cover which makes me question it yeah it, it's not advertised as a shutter uh, shutter film but uh <laughs> starring elisha cuthbert uh the year the year 2000s is elisha cuthbert um as far as i understand hasn't been particularly re particularly relevant outside of canada for at least 20 years but um dark and disturbing according to forbes.com though um what else we got? Uh, we have You Are Not My Mother from 2021. 
Uh, certified fresh, by the way. This is being put out by Magnolia Pictures and uh, their magnet label. Um, terrible cover. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. It's blurry. It's messy. Um, the positioning of the figures and the hand in particular is laughable. This is a horrendous cover, and yet they put the certified fresh loudly and proudly on the cover. Now, why, why is that, Brad? Does this movie have a reputation I'm not familiar with? Well, I remember uh, when it came out, I did uh, look into it because I'm always looking for potential horror movies that are getting some buzz to maybe review. And I saw this came out. You could rent it. And I think I watched the trailer and I was kind of like not impressed. I mean, maybe it was a bad trailer, but I thought it looked pretty uh, like, you know, kind of like overly done trying to be very artsy sort of horror film that seemed you get like 18 of them every year now and it didn't really have much of a hook beyond that so i uh, i passed but maybe it's good maybe that was just a bad trailer yeah i'm they're not selling me with that cover like that that might get the award this month for the worst cover art because that is stunningly bad like i i hate to i hate to tr- like put this card on the table but it's like i have I have done better than this. <laughs> like, like, I literally have designed covers for products better than this. That is terrible. That frustrates me. In fact, I gotta, I gotta save that so I can send it to my buddy. He's a designer by trade, and uh, he will flip his shit over that. Um, we have Pastor Hall from 1940. This is the only reason I'm shouting this out is not because I have any particular attachment to Pastor Hall, but because it's an indicator release, which uh, is a UK. Uh, label that Brad pointed out to me a few months back, and um, their insignia is readily apparent on all their releases, so it jumps right the fuck out at you. I have yet to find one of their titles that I'd actually be interested in purchasing, but <laughs> you know their 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 branding is is right on point. So keep yeah. keep trotting them out, Indicator. Maybe eventually you'll you'll get a winner with me, uh, but not today. Uh, we have the Russia House. Uh, featuring Sean Connery and Michelle Pfeiffer from Sandpiper Pictures, 1990. Uh, I don't know this film, but it's got Sean. Uh, God, God rest his soul. God, I miss that guy. <laughs> um, and it's from 1990 and has Michelle Pfeiffer, so uh, she's great. Um, we have Richard III uh, featuring what appears to be Ian McKellen and Robert Downey Jr. Um, and... Annette Benning. I I would not have guessed Annette Benning based on the way she's presented on the cover. No, nope, um, not at all. That was uh, early, early Benning, early Benning, early Photoshop Benning. On top yeah. of that, like like some of the shadows and the the size of her neck there is a little bit uh, <clears throat> <laughs> artificial. <laughs> um, yeah, I I would not have guessed, and like I would have guessed Helen Mirren actually before that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure that's I'm sure that's a worthwhile uh, venture though. I mean, Ian McKellen, Richard the Third, fuck. Um, we have Escape the Field from the year 2022. Um, this is very obviously uh, a Lionsgate film. I can tell you that much. Um, but let's see if I recognize anybody in this Lionsgate film. Um, no, I don't. So let's move on. <laughs> um, <laughs> Not interested. We have a super-duper limited-edition gift set version of The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Um, 
And beyond that, Brad, uh, any other titles for that week that you care to uh, say anything about? Uh, one other Lionsgate title, uh, Private Property, which uh, does have a few names. Ashley Benson. Where do I know uh, that name from? I think uh, she was in Spring Breakers, I believe, and I think she's like a Disney Channel star. I could be mistaken. Okay, but I so, think... so that's all you, buddy. I, I don't know her. Yeah. Uh, she was also in uh, Pixels, apparently. <laughs> Donkey Kong. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've um, never seen Pixels, but that was that was a candidate for like one of those movies I'd... One of these days, I'd like to hate watch it <laughs> just to see how bad it is. You might be surprised. You might be surprised. Donkey Kong. <laughs> isn't that isn't a uh, your boy? Uh, I'm teasing. Uh, Josh Gad isn't he in that one? Yeah, I think uh, when I watched that movie, it was before I had a bone to pick with him. So I probably would hate that movie now. <laughs> Not that I liked it, but I didn't absolutely despise it when I saw it. But um, yeah, I think uh, yeah. I was I, I was know, trying uh, to defend Mr. Columbus, Chris Chris Columbus, not the. I generally think he's explorer. okay. I was not defending him. Don't get don't no no fuck don't that. give me that. <laughs> no, Chris Columbus is a director. I generally, I think he's all right. Like yeah. I don't think he's a poor filmmaker, but yeah, I don't know what it is about the phrasing of that, Brad. But a bone to pick with Josh Cat just tickles me. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. like. For our our listeners that are not informed, uh, Brad has issues with Josh Cat. <laughs> not Listen, a big fan. He brings it on himself. I'm sorry. Well, it, it's to the point that he's he's a stand-in for like an archetype. <laughs> like yeah, he, he he represents a problem in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, nowadays when we see somebody who looks kind of like him, we're like, oh, that's that's C-list Josh Gad. That's, yeah, that's uh, the Josh Gad of this film. Yeah. <laughs> they couldn't get Josh Gad, so they get him. Exactly. Uh, anyway, let's bop on down to uh, June twenty-eighth. Uh, so we have uh, out of sight. On 4K from Kino. I uh, would not have guessed that they'd be the ones to put this one out, but uh, this is a Steven Soderbergh venture uh, featuring George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez, among many others, including the likes of Steve Zahn. Uh, mm. I saw this movie when it was brand new, but I, I, for the life of me, I can't remember a goddamn thing about it. But Steven Soderbergh is generally a, a very talented director, so I wouldn't be surprised if this had a lot going for it. Uh, do you know this one at all, Brad? Um, I know it by reputation, but I've never seen it, um, which I uh, I should probably remedy with this 4K. I might pick this one up. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Soderbergh. Like, it's got George Clooney kind of at the, the, I guess you'd call it, like, near the peak of his powers. Like, this was when he was, like, like hot guy George Clooney. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I remember there was a lot of hype behind this film, and I did... I, did remember watching this on VHS like it was a rental but uh, it's been so long that I don't remember anything about it um, we have a uh, 4k that I believe Brad you said you uh, purchased already uh, this would be true romance on 4k from arrow yeah did not purchase it yet um, I'm waiting on my uh, $10 Amazon gift card to uh, fulfill from Swagbucks. And then I will be making the purchase, um, trying to just, you know, get it down to that $20 price tag. But, uh, yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen this one. And I have been uh, going through a bit of a Tony Scott phase, so I uh, I do want to check it out again. 
Yeah, you and everybody else, man. Like, Twitter has been on fire with people uh, revisiting the filmography of uh, Tony Scott. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm guessing a lot of it has to do with the success of Top Gun Maverick. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it, in recent days, Tony Scott has been, like, probably the most reappraised director uh, like contemporary director I've seen in a long time like that there's all these people coming out of the word work saying like oh he was fucking awesome why didn't we appreciate him it's like well well that's your own damn fault <laughs> it's like where the, where the fuck were you like the rest yeah. of us were enjoying him the whole time he was alive and making great films like Crimson Tide I was super happy to hear you uh, you did a, mi- a mini review of that one for your show um, because that one's very special to me I really enjoy that film um, yeah. and and a lot of his films are like there's a certain energy that comes with his his output from like a, a specific time frame that it, it if there was there was like a golden era where he just like firing on all cylinders and just making amazing kinetic products kind of similar to like a Michael Bay actually but I don't know with a better sense of narrative and character though um, yeah absolutely I, I mean yeah. I would say <laughs> uh, I need to rewatch True Romance I would probably say. That's my favorite of his films, just going on my gut instinct. But uh, Crimson Tide might be, if you take away True Romance, and we'll see, that's on flux. But I, I would say maybe Crimson Tide might be my favorite of his. I, I really enjoyed that on a first-time watch. I mean, Top Gun is the most important film for me personally, just because you know, I was I was a child of the late 80s, so you know, military propaganda was fucking everywhere. <laughs> so, like, G.I. Joe was on TV very, very, very regularly, and Be All, be all That You Can Be was heard on the daily. Like, it was, America very much knew what it was doing with, with its advertising campaigns for its military and stuff. It worked. Um, not for me personally, but for a lot of my contemporaries. Um, but yeah, Top Gun has always been very, very personally important to me also my mom uh used to work out to the soundtrack on on a cassette uh which i would steal from her all the time and she'd get pissed because she's like i just i just i get like 20 minutes in a day if i'm lucky to myself and you ruin it by taking my workout music but that the soundtrack to that film was kind of the soundtrack of of my youth in a lot of ways uh enemy of the state i think is a lot of fun um mm. I saw that one in the theater, uh, and I I retained quite a bit of that. the The energy of that one is is a, a little insane. Uh, a lot of later era Tony Scott films take that that energy to an extreme that is deeply unpleasant. Like, uh, was it Unstoppable? Has some moments where it goes a little bit apeshit with the edit, um, and uh, Taking of Pelham One Two Three also gets a little bit crazy where it's like can we just like pump the brakes a little bit like like seriously guys back it off a little bit yeah. but um the last boy scout is actually one that i really need to uh, uh take a close look at uh days of thunder i know some people actually prefer that over top gun but i just i just can't i can't do it like, like I, I tried to watch it a while back and i was just like no <laughs> like just just no this isn't for me <laughs> Uh, but True Romance actually was uh, was considered for an episode of Catching Up on Cinema and has been uh, for a very, very long time. Uh, I think Kyle really wanted to do that at some point. Um, not sure when that'll be, but, uh, you know, maybe the time is nigh. Um, but, yeah, I, I hope time. you get the 4K of that one so you can let me know uh, how it how the package ends up being because that is a it's a it's a very, very solid movie. Speaking of, I just got the email uh 
like 20 minutes ago, my $10 Amazon card is ready from Swagbucks, so I'll be putting this in my cart tonight. <laughs> oh, sweet, sweet. Maybe I'll wait okay. until tomorrow, but anyway. Oh. Um, Killer's Kiss 4K. <laughs> Killer's Kiss. Stanley Kubrick. Wow. Uh, I was not aware of this from 1955. Damn. <laughs> I, I, this is a film that's not known to me. Um, uh, why am I doing a film podcast, Brad? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> well, I want to say what I'm assuming it was you that I talked to about this because who the hell else am I going to talk to about this? Um, but this uh, film was a bonus feature on the Criterion of the Killing. Um, so I have the Blu-ray of the Killing from Criterion. So I do already have at least some form of this film. Now, of course, it's not a 4K disc. It's certainly, I'm sure it's not any sort of 4K transfer, probably not even a 2K transfer. It's probably just, you know, they slapped it on as bonus feature, but um, don't know if I'll be purchasing this or if I should just watch the uh, bonus feature version of Killer's Kiss. I mean, I I would watch what you got, and then if you really, really like it, then you can run out and get the, the 4K. But let's be honest. I mean, how many times am I going to watch this movie before I die? And should, one if, if you're lucky. Exactly. <laughs> now, should I watch it on the crappy bonus feature version, or should I just get the 4K? I mean, if, if I only got one time to watch this, I should just go okay. all out, right? That is actually a, a very solid argument. There is a lot of logic behind that, where it's like, why, if I why am only going to watch so this once. Shit. Yeah, it's like, if I am only going to have one opportunity to watch this... Shouldn't I make sure I get the best opportunity? It's like, it's Absolutely. Like, how many times do you have that conversation with the girlfriend? <laughs> oh, uh, like... I just keep that to myself. Don't don't you worry. <laughs> don't you worry. Okay. Uh, beside that, we have uh, Ilya Muromets from 1956, which got some very high marks in terms of its image quality. Uh, I've seen lots of images of this movie, and it looks like it's very much a visual experience. Um, but I actually know nothing about it other than just some, like, some shots and some images I've seen over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a uh, fantastic beasts colon the secrets of Dumbledore from on 4k from Warner brothers. Now, Brett, do you know anybody who's enthusiastic about these, uh, fantastic beasts films? I'm a bit of a beast head myself. You're um, a beast head, but besides me, probably no, nobody. Um, and when I say I'm a beast head, uh, I've, basically give them all three stars so they're uh slightly watchable to me they're they're, so they're watchable they're it's the most adequate film franchise going <laughs> yeah yeah basically is yeah well hey if you never have an outright miss then you have consistent consistency going for you and you know what that counts for a lot there's a reason why a lot of people go to Fred Meyer and Walmart and yeah. <laughs> buy Although, Nike and stuff <laughs> I, I I don't know if I would say uh adequate would I mean I guess if tracks but i mean this franchise i mean are we talking about a cursed franchise here he had the johnny depp thing now ezra miller he's getting himself in more and more hot water by the day i mean you know not uh not good not good i mean it it goes on and on and on see i've never seen a harry product harry potter product of any kind but the controversies the ongoing controversies associated with these Fantastic Beasts hmm. films is... J.K. Rowling, Frank, forgot about her. 
yeah, j- <laughs> kind yeah. of a big deal. Um, but on top of that, there's the uh, the woman with the shitty haircut from Alien Covenant. Uh, mm-hmm. She apparently shat talk, like she shit talked J.K. Rowling a shit ton, and uh, lo and behold, she's not really around like in the movie very much. Um, it just constantly, just like every 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 news cycle there's something going wrong with these films and yet they persist and apparently end up being okay films according to brad yeah but, i don't mind them um this I one didn't do shit. too well though <laughs> yeah. it uh was a disappointment so this could be our last i honestly i think we can basically guarantee it's our last beast movie there's just too much too much uh mud in the water going forward i if i were an executive i'd say we got we're pulling the plug well, the last time we spoke on Tales from the Shelf, uh, we talked about Gore Verbinski, the resurrection of Gore Verbinski, uh, which potentially could also be pulling double duty as the resurrection of Johnny Depp. Do you think they would be brazen enough to like have to like reverse the Grindelwald thing and, and have Johnny Depp replace Matt Mickelson. I I honestly would love that just for just like the craziness of it. Like they're just like fuck it, we don't care because they, I mean, they really did. They really did mess up in how you know say what you will about Johnny Depp, but the public sentiment for him when this movie came out, if he was in this, it would have been huge. I think it would have been massive. Like yeah. so, but I'm sure the fact that he got booted from this kind of contributed to the narrative of him needing a comeback. Yeah. But isn't like Ezra Miller, like really tied in deep to this series. I mean, he is, but also it's like, who gives a fuck about his character? Like you could, who who gives a fuck about Ezra Miller anyway? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he, he is a big part of every single one of these movies, but if you just cut him out going forward, I don't think anybody would even notice, to be honest, because, I mean, Grindelwald, uh, yeah, you you need him. He's the main villain, but uh, I think you could I, get I just, him out of there. I just remember that Ezra Miller uses they pronouns, so I will, oh, yeah, yeah, I will yeah. correct myself um, and say that I had forgotten. Yeah. Um, point is, don't nobody care about Ezra Miller. Yeah. <laughs> I, I certainly never have, but... Um, yeah, it, it also needs to be said that the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard stuff, I personally haven't paid any attention to it whatsoever, although uh, Brad's liberal use of drops, audio drops, uh, from the, the trial proceedings, uh, mm, master masterpiece podcasting. Thank you, thank you. I've probably paid it's, too much attention. Um, it was It's a good thing the trial's over, because... Uh, it was it was affecting my uh, day to day because it's like that's <laughs> all I could watch. <laughs> well, a lot of people derived quite a lot of entertainment from it, but my my entertainment came solely from listening to Brad's show and hearing him <laughs> make liberal use of the audio from it uh, to great effect. Um, but yeah, Dumbledore. There's another one. Cool. Uh, we have a, a Criterion release of Sean Waters's Pink Flamingos, which. Uh, I was actually hoping this had come out the month before because I, I had heard the announcement that Criterion was going to be putting this out. Um, but I had hoped it would come out a little earlier because uh, my usual co-host on Catching Up on Cinema, Kyle, um, he's not in the Seattle area these days. Um, and I got him like a, a farewell gift in the form of a Criterion Blu-ray. Um, and this was the one I would have got had it been available. But of course, this is a... A uh, very well-known film. Uh, its reputation is known far and wide. Um, 
I'd very much like to see it. I'm not about to blind buy it. Um, but of course, I know it by reputation, and I'd very much like to see it. Uh, we have Harlem Knights from Paramount Pictures. Uh, oh, wow, two and a half stars for picture quality, so that's not great. Um, but I've all, I've known this film only by its cover uh, over the years because when you when you walked by the VHS cover, it, like, and you saw Richard fucking Pryor and Eddie fucking Murphy on the cover, you're just like what is this movie? Like, I don't even need to know what this movie is. Just like the collision of talent. Like, I know it's late era Richard Pryor, so it's not going to be top tier Richard Pryor, but just, just having these two people occupying the same space is something that's like, you know, it's like, we did it folks. Like miracles do happen. Uh, So I don't know if this movie's any good, but just the, just the opportunity to see these two comedians on, on screen at the same time is pretty fucking cool. Um, uh, we have a criterion release of the worst person in the world, which, holy shit, this movie made a lot of headlines last year. Um, have you seen this one, Brad? Not yet. Um, I was debating whether I should uh, watch it and spend the money on a rental. Then it dropped to a 99-cent rental on iTunes, and I almost bought it for the 99-cent rental. Um, then I saw it was streaming on Hulu. Uh, and I have Hulu, so I was debating whether I should watch it on Hulu. Um, and now it's on Criterion, so maybe I'll just avoid all that together and just spend twenty bucks on the Criterion and let it sit on my shelf and never watch it. Um, <laughs> but I do want to watch it because I, yeah, I've heard it's pretty great. Oh yeah, some of the most glowing reviews I've read in a very, very long time. Like this, this movie was cleaning up at all the film festivals. Um, so yeah, uh, it doesn't surprise me at all that uh, they kind of rushed to get a criterion of it out like ASAP. Um, beside that, we have uh, Brad's favorite label. Well, that's not true, but Brad appreciates them. Uh, AGFA, uh, the American Genre Film Archive, uh, presents the films of Doris, Doris Wishman, colon, The Twilight Years. Uh, this is a box set uh, containing a lot of Chesty Morgan films. Uh, yeah, I... I mean, I know what that means, <laughs> but yeah, I'm not like, I'm sure there is a market for that, uh, for people who are really, who are into big knockers from the seventies, <laughs> like one-stop shopping for all, for all you fans of that. Um, yeah, I'll probably pass on this Agfa release, um, but cool that they're putting it out there. Yeah. Uh, we got a fun city editions release of the Coca-Cola kid from 1985, uh, fun city editions. As far as I remember, uh, Brian, uh, from, Movies for Life, uh, the podcast that uh, Brad and I collaborated with a few months back. Uh, I believe he's been collecting all of their releases, and he's been most—he's been pretty happy with blind buying basically everything they put out. Now, um, mm-hmm. looks like we got a an Eric Roberts film in here. Um, I don't know this film, but uh, Eric Roberts—I—I I do know that I do know him to be a chronic over actor, but I find that to be oddly compelling. Like, Eric Roberts works for me. <laughs> I don't know what it is about him. So I would watch that. Um, we have Boomerang, also an Eddie Murphy film from the year 1992. Uh, this is also being put out by Paramount. Uh, the production design in that movie always made me laugh. Like, it, it has a, a heightened reality to the, to the production design and the wardrobe in it. There's something <laughs> about it that was like... this. This is not what the world actually looks like, but it's a movie where it's like everybody's a little too good looking. It almost has like a 
last action hero kind of vibe where it's like damn there's a lot of hot people in this room <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. i wish my neighborhood looked like this <laughs> it's a little intriguing uh, it's got me interested i've never seen that one it's okay like it's it is not like this one of the stronger eddie murphy films out there but it's okay um but i'll kick it over to you brad what jumps out at you uh let's see i mean there's a lot of vinegar syndrome partner labels uh coming out this month um and i don't really have feel free to rattle off any that jump out at you yeah i mean we've got uh the little hours um buster keaton rides again um let's see I, i think uh maybe inspector ike is a partner label video violence um video phobia no resistance two though that i do want to highlight because i might pick them up is um we have a 4k if we scroll down a little ways of out of order and um this movie is from subculture subculture releasing um who i believe is a german label if i'm not mistaken and i do own their only other release so far which is somewhere in this room with me it is um I guess maybe I should find it because I don't remember what it's called. Uh, Deadlock. Deadlock, which was a German Western. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. Great picture quality from what I've heard. Still haven't watched it. Um, But before I watch that movie, I might want to pick up this one out of order, which sounds like right up my alley. Uh, It's about people getting stuck in an elevator and having to get out, which just sounds like a great, tight, little paranoid thriller. Um, and I think I'd have a good time with it. So I would like to pick that one up maybe in the next vinegar syndrome sale, as long as it stays in stock. And then, um, there's an ag, another Agfa release. I want to mention called final flesh. And this one is interesting because, um, just how it was made conceptually is interesting to me. So the guy who wrote it is basically, Um, He wrote a couple, like, uh, sort of, like, Adult Swim style, like, MTV2 sort of uh, shows, like, basically, like, Adult Swim style humor, Um, like, uh, Too Many Cooks kind of thing, and he basically wrote a script about the world ending with his style of humor, and what he did, from what I remember and reading it, is he sent that script into these sort of... um, fetish sites these uh where you back in the day you could pay these performers to act out whatever you wanted essentially um and they you you know for a price they would you know you could tell them exactly what you wanted to happen in the scene and he sent them this script and he said i want you to turn this script into a movie and i want you to shoot it and film it and that's what they did so it's a very interesting weird combination of ideas and performers and obviously you know because like they know how to shoot things because that's what they did but they've probably never shot anything quite like this and uh yeah it just seems like i don't know how good it's actually going to be but i'm very interested in it and uh, i think i i might pick this up wow thanks for sharing brad that's that's super cool like like just that concept sounds really fascinating to me because i mean like porn is in an arena that like everything's i would imagine shot very quick like every everything's done on the quick and on the cheap um so you do have like 
working professionals working that in that arena like not strictly just the performers but like like the the camera crew and the directors and and writers and producers and whatnot these are people who are accustomed to getting not necessarily a lot done but accustomed to getting things done on time and on budget essentially on the quick um so i'd be very curious to see what like a more legitimate like working from a more legitimate script what a studio like that what that end product would end up looking like um so yeah i'd, I'd be really interested to check that out yeah so i might uh i might pick that one up and report back to you yeah please do it i'm looking forward to like a micro review of that one but yeah i'll uh, toss out there that uh by the way the cover art for inspector ike i like that composition um the combination of the color the styling uh, the composition of it solid solid poster i like that um i have no fucking clue what it is but it looks nice um we have a uh, uzumaki from uh the year 2000 from discotheque media um i don't actually think this had been released on blu-ray before that's kind of a surprise to me although we are seeing a lot of uh early 2000s era japanese films uh in particular horror and action films stuff that i was buying in bootleg form when i was a teenager uh basically uh getting uh put out on blu-ray these days so i guess it's not that big of a surprise plus the uh the mangaka the author uh, of the comic who um uh, wrote the original comic version of this film uh, junji ito uh, he's continued to be in- extremely relevant into 2022 um I- i'm sure you've seen his work at some time or another brad if you've if you've been on the internet you've seen one of his drawings eventually um i've always wanted to watch this movie i don't know how good it is uh the manga is as is his trademark uh quite unnerving um i do think it jumps the shark a little bit as it gets towards its final chapters but some of the early goings are are chilling and stunningly rendered in a pen and ink um i don't know how good this movie is but like i said the manga is quite good um i it's one of the few uh, translated manga that I actually own. Um, we have Firestarter from the year 2022, uh, which is, I think, a Peacock. Uh, was a Peacock exclusive for a minute there? Uh, it did come out in theaters. It was just a simultaneous oh. uh, debut, and it didn't do well in theaters. It looked like garbage. Yeah. Like, it, looked, it looked cheap, um, and it, looked, it did not look like a, a high-effort production. I'll just say that much. Yeah, it was quite bad. Quite bad. Yeah. Um, and also we have that uh, collector's edition banner uh, reiterated on the cover of this one, which, as we pointed out earlier, seems to just mean a physical copy of a movie these days. Right. <laughs> um, uh, well, Brad already pointed out most of the Vinegar Syndrome stuff. That's mostly what, what like I leave up to Brad. Like Vinegar Syndrome, their schedule is... Uh, I, I hate yeah. the way they organize their releases on the blu-ray.com calendar it's very hard to trace um yeah. anyway uh i think that's about it i'll point out that a uh, karate girl uh kick to the groin edition uh from the year 2011 uh, is getting a blu-ray release um the only reason i'm pointing this out is that it's a uh, the star uh rina takeda uh, is in it uh she's a uh, actress and martial artist uh currently working in japan she's done some cool stuff over the years um she does a lot of food blogging these days as far as i can tell um but yeah beyond that i don't know that there's a whole lot else to say about the the releases for june uh 2022 so uh 
Brad, do you want to wrap things up with a with a little uh, notice regarding any titles we would care to purchase or rent? I say let's do it. You want to kick it off, or sure, I'll I'll go backwards through the calendar and let Brad uh, collect his thoughts. Um, so um, going backwards through everything, and it's gonna be a minute before I find something I want. Uh, <laughs> so uh, True Romance on 4K is a maybe. Um, Pink. Pink Flamingos I will not be purchasing, but I, I should see that movie. Uh, I think I think I'd care to find out what that's all about. Uh, plus, John Waters I find to be a very compelling interview. Um, so I just, you know, care to see more of his filmography in a similar way uh, to how I feel about Werner Herzog. Um, oh, by the way, uh, Cinderella from the year 2021 uh, from Sony is getting a uh, Blu-ray release. Uh Walked in on my girlfriend watching that one a while back, <laughs> and she was it, like, "Can I, can I like turn it off?" And I was like, "No, I insist. I want to see this. I need to see what this is." <laughs> it was uh, one of the winners or in the top five for the Oscar fan vote. So, oh, really? I did yeah, not know that. I think I don't know who the actress is in it, but I think she has a pretty large fan base. Um, I think it's Camilla Cabello. <laughs> yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I think she. Her fans, I think, juiced. Well, they didn't juice it; they just voted. But you know, they juice. She has the a fan base. Yeah, she yeah. she has a little bit of a fan base. Yeah. Just saying. It was her um, and Zack Snyder films in the top five, basically. I think we all underestimated the Snyder fan base. Like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Oh, by the way, uh, Fire in the Sky from 1993 uh, is getting a Blu-ray from Shout Factory. Uh, this was a really really big deal uh for like i don't know x-files fans and like ufo people in general uh in the early 90s i have i had so many fucking comic books that had a poster for this on the back of them <laughs> you have no idea <laughs> but yeah uh the uh abduction scene in this film is notorious for scaring the pants off of a lot of kids mm-hmm. um but yeah it's getting a release on june 21st and also vampire's kiss from 1988 is getting a mvd release uh very infamous uh, Nicolas Cage film that exists mostly in meme form. Uh, you can you can tell uh, somebody is really desperately trying to cash in on Nick Cage this month. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, fuck, man. I am I am struggling. I am on the struggle bus right now, trying to find something to buy. <laughs> yeah, it's good for your wallet, at least. Well, good timing too. Uh, ambulance. That's a that's a potential blind buy. Um, Metal Skin Panic, uh, whenever the fuck it's available, uh, I'd just I'd be curious to see that. I'm not super hyped about it, but I'd be curious. Um, Miss the Boat on In Search of Tomorrow, so I don't even know if you can buy that now. Um, and The Northman, uh, I may blind buy that as well. So I have a couple of 4Ks uh, and a lot of maybes, and that mm-hmm. is about it. Uh, so ball is to you, sir. What uh, what do you think you're going to grab this month? Yeah, the Northman, I'll definitely be picking that up. I might wait until it's at least 20 for the 4K, um, preferably lower, but I'll probably get that before Black Friday even. Ambulance, that could be a Black Friday pickup. Um, I don't need to see that anytime soon, but I do want to own it. So that'll be on my list for sure. Um, Shaft 4K potentially the next criterion sale that could be a a pickup for sure there uh definitely we'll be getting true romance 4k might even order it tonight 
with my swag bucks. Um, out of sight is another possibility. Um, and yeah, I would like, I don't know if I'll pick it up either, but I, 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 I'm tempted for pink flamingos cause I need to really, I know what to expect with John Waters, but I never actually watched any of his films. So I, I need to dip my toes in there and then, um, out of order and final flesh probably in the next vinegar syndrome sale. So it'll be a while, but those I will be getting for sure. Okay. Well, hardly a waste of a month, but just a kind of a kind of a very scattered month. You kind of have mm-hmm. to dig to find the gold in this one. Um, but there's some pretty solid offerings, so it sounds like we'll we'll both walk away pretty happy. But um, yeah, uh, so this has been uh, our June 2022 edition of Catching Up on Blu-ray. Uh, thanks for joining us, folks, and uh, thank you, Brad, uh, for joining me. Uh, it's really good to have you back. This is a lot more fun. A lot more fun to do when you have some way to bounce ideas off of so thank you thank you bud i really appreciate it yeah well you you did a great job without me but it's great to be back (laughs) okay well hopefully we can have you back next month as well but um before we go uh brad if uh would you like to let the folks at home know where they can find you and your super awesome podcast yeah uh it's the cinema speak podcast so we're on itunes stitcher spotify wherever you listen to your shows uh, you can uh, follow us on Twitter at the Cinema Speak, on Instagram as Cinema Speak Podcast, on YouTube as Cinema Speak, and then just on the web at cinemaspeak.libsyn.com. Very nice, well done, sir. And uh, again, thank you so much for joining me. But um, folks at home, uh, if you'd like to catch up on any of our catching up on cinema content, uh, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, you can also find us on the social medias in the form of the Twitter at Catching Cinema and the Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, and you can also find the show collected on pretty much every podcasting platform you can imagine, including BitCade. So fucking Google it. That being said, thank you so much for listening and we will catch you next time. <laughs>